Welcome back to Three Point Firefighter. Today's guest is DJ Stone. Now, DJ has been in the fire service for 24 years. He has recently retired from Fort Walton Beach, Florida, and is now the training chief at South Walton Fire District. He has a class coming up at FDIC called the Grab Analysis, where you can see actual videos of grabs in the 850 area code and discuss his firsthand knowledge of them. He also manages a fantastic Facebook page with his brother called the 850 Fireman. Now, I enjoyed talking to DJ so much, and he made such an impression on me. I have changed all my children's name to DJ Stone. Uh, I've changed all my pet's name to DJ Stone. Uh, I started to change my wife's name to DJ Stone. Uh, She was not having it. But anyway, we had a fantastic talk. Please listen. Please like. Please subscribe. And with that, DJ Stone. Today's episode is brought to you by Fire Facilities. Make training count with their custom-made, all-steel, live-fire training facilities. Their made-in-the-USA towers and burn rooms are the best for preparing, responding, and surviving the challenges you face every day. And so in relation to that, I would say in some respect I'm a student of um, communication. You know what I mean? Like I really admire somebody who knows how to communicate. And one of the biggest things I admired about people who communicate is the ones that are able to talk to a thousand people, but it feels like they're talking right to us. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And there's only a handful of people I've ever encountered that were like that. You know, you could be in a large group. Uh, Dr. Rich Gassaway is one of them that. Yeah. I've never seen that guy. I mean, I know him. I've never seen him though. I think, I think he's great. I think he's great. Um, I haven't talked to him in a couple of years and I thought about having him on here, but I get real, um, I don't know, nervous maybe. And he's got such a big podcast and he travels the world. I'm like, man, I'm just some Southern Indiana. I feel I'm a <clears throat> coastal, uh, coastal suburban fireman is what I call myself, yeah. you know, from, from nowhere USA. And I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the, I don't know if it's a strength, but one of the vantage points, because most of us all do respect to the urban sector, because that's, that's where we, like, we learn most of our craft, right, from the guys in the busy context. But most of us are either volunteer or suburban scenario, minimum staffed, kind of the same story everywhere thing. And I like to think that, you know, like Brian Brush, I'm, I'm kind of part of that group. Uh, mm-hmm. But like speaking of Gasaway, you know, like I said, I'm, I, I've known about him for a long time. I've never seen him in person. I know he does a lot across our business, um, but I've never had the opportunity to sit with him. But I have had a tremendous opportunity over the last 10 years living where I live, working with my brother and, you know, with the efforts that Kurt does right down the street. I think he's up to 15 or 20 conferences a, a year now. <laughs> Kidding. Wow. Yes. But I'm he, joking. He, but he, does he does a ton. He does, he does five and then he does these other little things. All that to say, all that energy brought to the panhandle of Florida. It's been a huge impact to me and the culture around us. You know, we've had an opportunity to get to know a, a lot of people I would have never met otherwise and be able to glean from and, 
have as mentors and friends, you know? Right. Well, that, uh, so. that whole area, there's, there is so much, uh, talent there in that area. Uh, obviously you included, but you, you talked about Kurt Isaacson and of course I know Nick Pepper quit Florida mm-hmm. altogether and moved, but you know, North Florida yeah. Expo. Yeah. Um, but there's so much talent there that it, it's an exciting place. I would imagine for a firefighter because you don't have to go too far to catch somebody that I like to call a heavy hitter or I call them landscapers, honestly. And that's uh, <laughs> people that change the landscape of the fire department. Right. Oh, and that's good. Never thought of it that way. Yeah. I, I I'm super, super smart. And I came up with that on my own. So yeah. 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 Uh, that's a super smart. That's not what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. 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 No, of course you're no. super smart. I mean, you have a pretty good podcast, so that's a start. Bless, bless your heart. I did. I wasn't fishing, but I'm reeling that one in, man. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, yeah. it, it's my passion project. Uh, it is sort of a COVID baby, uh, but mm-hmm. it's my favorite thing. And, um, I, I love it. I love it. I was today just, I woke up ready for this, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, I started like rewatching some stuff that you've done. I was just like, yeah, super excited. And I yeah. even, it, it, th- this is honor for you that you should take this as, 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 uh, respect. My wife started talking to me when I was coming down here and I said, hold on, I've got a podcast. And then she, I gave her one of these. Now I'm going to pay for it. We both Dude, know I'm going to pay for that. I never give one of those to my wife. Are you crazy? Oh, I was a fool. <laughs> I'll pay for it. But I'll get her flowers or something like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. But um, one, that yeah. area is, it reminds me of like, uh, I think about Houston. There's a ton of talent yeah, there. Right. Mo Davis, yes, Jacob Johnson, and, and Devin Craig. Man, go on and on. And then, of course, uh, I always bring up the Pacific Northwest, uh, Oregon mm-hmm. and Washington State. I've met and right. seen some fantastic firefighters. Right. So, yeah, you know, when I ran into or started talking to Nick, I started really focusing on that area, you mm. know, and there, there, there is just a lot of talent, man. A lot of talent. No pressure yeah, there at lo- all, right? We're like, no, I mean, I appreciate the kind words. It's always a little uncomfortable, right? Because I certainly don't put myself in the category of a lot of the guys that you've uh, interviewed by no stretch. And me like you there's a real creative side of my personality uh of course you may or may not know my brother shannon we mm-hmm. you know he's a lot more out there when it comes to speaking he really does have that sort of gift that we're talking about mm-hmm. he's super good at communicating and definitely one of my mentors and examples but all that to say i round back to the podcast thing and i've been talking with him geez it's been three four years probably about it and i was like you know every it's hard to redo something when so many people do it well you know and so in the back of my mind it's i'm still marinating on it but something differently and i haven't landed on it yet i've got i mean just notes you know in my phone of ideas and i'll sit on it and i'm marinating i'm like "Mm, no that's that's just not the right it's not the thing that like what you're doing now is that passion pushes you to this end yeah. to produce this. It's a lot of energy and a lot of time, it, probably for no monetarily reward, you know? Um, not that everything's about money, but there's a breakover in our life where time is money in, in a sense, if you're having to put other things off, well, sure. you know what I mean? Um, so in light of that, you know, I, I, I love what you're doing. I admire the guys that spend the time to get the right equipment and good sound quality. I'm a drummer by hobby, you know, and a musician. So mm-hmm. I key into that stuff really quickly. And the one thing that really specifically about podcasts 
I'm going down a different road, but it'll make Please, sense in a second. I, I, this is what I live for. Yeah, it's it's the uh, poor quality. The fire service is just starting to get to where we produce quality stuff for ourselves. But mm. the fire service, unlike anything else, there's no real lane for monetary income. So it's purely a passion-driven thing. And you right. saw it in training early on years ago. Let's say 10, 12, 15 years ago. Uh, and still to this day, a lot of the conferences are passion-driven. You know, dudes ain't making money on conferences for the most part. They're breaking even. But but I will say people are starting to figure out that, hey, man, time is money. When you go to share somewhere and you have a platform uh, like a Gasaway or Salka or any of these guys, you know, they charge a premium. Well, here's the thing, man. You're talking about 40, 50 years of experience. You're talking mm -hmm. about what is their hourly rate to break away? What is their commitment to come and share and do that thing apart from their family? The things that are hard to put a price tag on. So there's that breakover of time, effort, money, and what's it worth to do it. You know, the cool thing about these podcasts and, and video, and, and I, I say all the time, I would much rather be behind something where you don't see me and talk than be out in front. So these th kind of things are a little bit uncomfortable for me. But the breakover is you have, I, I would assume, you have the feeling of really dropping a pebble in the fire service and making a difference because people can round back to this in 20, 25 years and mm -hmm. watch these interviews of these right. icons on the job. You're interviewing people, in my opinion, that are not me. I'm just saying, like the Aaron Fields, right? Like, like all these other big guys that you've interviewed, right. that they're going to go down in a legendary form of shifting the fire service in one way or another. That's exciting to me. You know, I, I love I, that ability. I want to disagree with you, that. though. I, I've got to interrupt and I've got to disagree. You're definitely part of that. Okay. Um, and because, you know, when you sit around the firehouse and you talk about certain people out there like yourself making an effort, sharing your passion, your name comes up. Your brother's name comes up. All these people come up. Now, it's everyone I've interviewed like that is just like you. They're like, look, I'm just I'm trying to put out a message. There's nothing special about mm -hmm. me. But I think I, I, I just kind of disagree. I think you you are that guy. You probably don't want that. Like if it all went away tomorrow, you probably wouldn't care, right? Because that's not that's not the, no. the the accolades and admiration. It isn't what feeds you. It's it's the fire service and and making it better. So you know, mad respect for that. I've it's it's crazy. I, I've been meeting people that every when I started this podcast, I had a. Uh, an unreal expectation. I thought, well, first off, there's no way I'll get so-and-so and so-and-so. They don't know who I am. And then, um, but every single one has responded that way. I don't know mm -hmm. who I am to be on your podcast. And again, I mean, this is a little mm -hmm. rickety podcast for me, but it's, it's no weekly scrap, but that thing is, has far, far. It's huge. It is huge. And brilliant idea you know, of a podcast too. He, and he's the OG. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of great podcasts out there, but sure. the way he involves the uh the audience and right, now right. it's not that you're not accessible you are accessible as a human being but now you're even more so now these people sure. can say hey look i get to ask i always want to ask shannon stone this question or i always want to ask you know aaron fields mm -hmm. or jared sergi these questions so it's really really cool for for us who are the fanboys which right, definitely right. fanboy um, me too uh, man 100 percent 
Oh, you got to see me at FDIC. I'm like, oh, yeah. look at the look at this Ray McCormick, you know. And uh, yeah, I was I was doing a Hot Wings challenge with Dave Mellon, and so we're recording it and everything. And Ray McCormick walked by, that's and funny, you can man. watch it to this day. And I go, yeah, I go, dude, that's Ray McCormick, you know. Yeah, I, I love that about me. If I had to brag on one thing about me, which I don't brag on a whole lot, other than my good looks and super intelligence. Right is yeah. uh because i mean i went to high school i'm like a brag uh is i love fanboying <laughs> i'm I working on my associates <laughs> yeah see there you go i've got a couple of those degrees i'm not gonna lie but yeah it, it the fire service is so amazing and to get to talk to people and ex be accessible have people accessible mm -hmm. is awesome and corley once told me he goes you know he goes this podcast thing he goes it's like i get a keynote speaker to myself no kidding right that's cool and it's opened up an avenue for him and his gift and his abilities because he's an he's an exceptional communicator in his program. Oh, yeah. If you watch his program, so I do that as well. And and I know people watch my program that I teach, and I'm and I'm trying to be conscious about it, and I'm working on ways to get better feedback. But the way Corley does his program, as an example, mm -hmm. it's it's very uh, planned, but you wouldn't know it's planned. It just seamlessly goes down a track. But right. that takes a lot of work and skill. But the it point is, his podcast, in a sense, has given him a platform of influence to walk out dreams, like write books, like sharing his message about leadership and that passion. You know, that that's awesome. Like, yeah. that's inspiring to me as a creative. Not that I want to do that. It's just it's it's inspiring to watch people. I'm the type of person that I want to see people have success around me. And yes. For me, like what's exciting on my recent career transition into the training division is I've realized within a month or two that that I get compensated to do that. That's pretty cool. I get compensated to cheerlead guys to get better at the job. I get compensated yeah. to it's, I'm learning how to do this because it's, it's more difficult than what I'm about to say, but to dig deeper on the job in different ways. Right. Well, now my, my scope is just, it's not a shift of people as a battalion. It's 100 plus people having a medium sized department and trying to hit all those high points. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm a people pleaser. Uh, I like mm -hmm. to please people. But the point is, like, we get, I get to be excited about that. I get to get compensated to inspire people. And then guys like Corley, yourself, and others have this creative platform. I love it. I love it. Like it just keeps my mind turning and, and keeps me engaged because th there's ups and downs. I mean, for me, going into my 23rd year in the service career wise and uh, yeah, I mean, I've had good and bad times like everybody else, you know, uh, moments yeah. of inspiration, moments of just mouth breathing, like just blank, you know, like yeah. a writer's block uh, in a sense. But no, anyways, all that stuff really is exciting to me and, and, and I am a student of communication. So back to your earlier comment, I really appreciate it. It's highly encouraging. I'm, I'm trying to communicate in that manner when I do speak, because if anything, working in emergency services, as you know, and a, and a lot of guys probably listening or watching know is that we learn to play it cool when you really don't have the answer and you really don't know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's like the duck in the water thing. Oh, yeah. Up top, the duck is cool, calm, but on bottom, you know, he's kicking like crazy because it's out of control. Chicken. Yeah. And so I, I liken that to the same thing because I ain't going to lie. Not that 
you know, I could have 20 people at a DIC. I could have 200. I have no idea what to expect. I mean, I went there with my brother a couple of years ago and we shared the, pro- the program that I teach as a team, which was the original concept. And then mm-hmm. now I'm going back by myself. I ain't going to lie, man. I, I, I'm like way nervous to do it, you know, but I've had the luxury of having a lot of friends who have been there and done that. And, you know, and they're able to say, man, don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. You know, just keep doing the thing that you do and be you and be authentic and be transparent, you know? Um, and that's kind and of that's a really the key though, right? For success. Yeah. For people to see your passion, to hear your message, mm-hmm. you have to be authentic. And yes. I have met a small amount of people that, that have a message, but they're not authentic. You know, it's, it's very, Mm-mm. I don't know. It's it, so it's, it's hard for you to buy in sometimes, but you know, for me, I've never submitted to FDIC. I'm doing my very first conference here in Indiana here in a couple of weeks. It's the first time I've ever done anything. So now I got a class, I want to submit it. So I kind of have this goal in my head and my goal is the instructor's room at FDIC. I don't know if I'll yeah. ever get there. I'm gonna try like crazy. But I can't imagine going in there and looking around. Again, fanboy. I would have to be sort of cool. I'd have to be like, hey, man, what's up? What's up, man? You know, but it's like Like a duck, man. Oh, my God. It's 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 crazy. So that's kind of my goal. So, I mean, you're going to have a blast up there, aren't you? I mean, yeah. Are you carrying the whole thing yourself now? Yeah. But I mean, you've been up there. You've done the speaking. Mm -hmm. The people that are signing up to see you want to hear your message. It's so different than your own department. Like. Uh, right. Brian Zeitz out of Kirkwood, right outside of St. Louis, said the best things, and I'm going to I'm going to ruin it, but I'm going to try to paraphrase it. He said, you know, a white helmet and a plane ticket makes you an expert, but no a white kidding, helmet right? within five miles, you're an idiot. You know, true. so it, it, it's the same message, the same person, same experience, mm-hmm. but there's something about that. You're just not a prophet in your own country. Do, do you or have you experienced that in either one of your departments? Of course, of course, and. Ironically enough, here in what I would call what we would call the 850 area code, like me and my brother do the 850 thing. We're not that great at it. It was a regional thing. It's just more or less a representation, right? Where we are from. So, in relation to that, I would even suggest like Mm -hmm. in the 850 area, because of all the opportunity, you have not as not as much local engagement. I mean, you do and you don't. It's a weird thing. So it's very true. you are never an expert in your own backyard, nor do I exclaim to be, or any of us mm-hmm. for that matter, exclaim to be. But I think what's different in my mind, and that's allowed me, because I, I share my message about my class and the call, a couple other calls locally here, too, that tie into the program that I share. Um, I share locally all the time. In fact, tomorrow I'm going over to a place called Mariana, Florida, about an hour and a half from me. Uh, to a volunteer firefighter association just to share the program because you know what, like just for nothing, just for free, because I, I, if they want to hear the message, I'm going to share it. The County North of where I like, so I, I work in a place called South Walton fire district right now, which mm-hmm. if you're familiar with Florida and the panhandle, it's the 38 stretch, very wealthy, very bougie area, beautiful beaches. It's just phenomenal. Well, North of there is North Walton fire rescue. That's like a neighboring department. Um, I, I did 20 years part-time up there. I got my roots in that organization. Long story short, now that I'm in the mutual aid organization, we're sharing resources and they're asking me to come share my story. Just, you know, 20 minutes from where I'm at. And I feel like if you're able to do that locally, 
and people are still willing to hear your message. You're doing something right. You're communicating right. Because one of the things that people do like us is we're so passionate about something. We tend to alienate people, don't we? Like our opinions are so strong and we say yes. so much. We're driving people away. Well, my goal, I don't want, I've experienced that. I've watched other people do that in my orbit around me. I've watched mentors of mine do that on a social media level. The goal is to bring people in. You can't bring them all, but the goal is to bring people in. That's what coaches do. Coaches mm -hmm. rally people. They rally a team. That's what I want to be. And so you're right. You're never an expert in your own backyard. In, in the city of Fort Walton, where I used to work, certainly not. Nobody can care <laughs> to hear what I'm saying. You know, but even regionally, I, I like to think that I've worked hard to change a negative perception of me or even my brother, because we have some roots in the fire service with our dad working and he was a polarizing character. Uh, we both worked hard to change that and to try to bring more people with us. Because the point is that all of these fire conferences we go to, these podcasts that people listen to, we want to share it and we want people to come into the fold. It's like, it's like preaching the gospel, right? It's like going to church. When you're at church, you're like, hey man, just bring a friend with you, bring a friend. That's what I'm trying to do, bring a friend. And I joke with guys like my brother. I joke with guys like Kurt, specifically Kurt. I call him a fire fire service preacher because he's just that dynamic speaker, right? Um, oh, my God, yes. But, a, but a, I didn't coin the phrase, but I heard it said somewhere, you know, it's the gospel of fire. That's what we're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, my brother, we, we've been traveling and teaching a little bit, which is super cool. And uh, that's what I'm saying. That's what we're going to do. I even put it, we have this email system in our, where I work. It's called an out-of-office email. It just goes to all the administrative staff and the chiefs. And basically, uh, we, I sent an email out recently, and I'm kind of new. I'm six months deep into this organization. I know people, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I'm getting to know them. So I yeah. took off to go to St. Louis. We had pre-planned this trip uh, to St. Louis and to Oklahoma recently to Brian Brush's area and Corley Moore's area, which was crazy so yeah, it was an oklahoma trip i did this on both of them so i sent an email out out of office email to everybody and you know out of office this date uh out of town and then in the content email i said i'm going to preach the gospel of fire in this city <laughs> i'll be back on this date you know and i say that on purpose because i want people to understand like like it's an it's a it's an honor and an opportunity to be able to go out and share to be able to go out and yeah. speak and share a story, hopefully inspiring people. That's the whole point. We want to bring more people into the fold. We want to bring more people into not just showing up five till apathy sets in because of an organizational issue or most of the time a human relations issue, i.e. a leader officer making your mm -hmm. job terrible. Back to, hey, why did you even sign up in the first place? Why are you here? That's the first thing I ask guys when they come through. I'm about to do another new hire academy in a month. The first question is, why South Walton? Why this organization? And I know some of their answers, but I'm going I'm to make sure to remind them, and I remind my organization often, that um, one, what brought you to the service? Was, was it serving others? Was it the exhilarating feeling of bringing something out of control, under control? Was it a combination of the stuff? Never forget that thing. Regardless of the organization and, and, and things that are out of control around you, you have to hone back into that thing because that's what's going to carry you through those valleys of the job. 
And anybody with more than six years on the job probably has experienced that. Right. Especially if it's a poor organization that you're a part of. You know, it's funny. I've been part of um, a couple of like hiring boards, uh, recruiting boards and stuff like that. And it's amazing that when I came in the fire service about 30 years ago and talking to my brothers and sisters, like going through it together and why they joined versus what I'm hearing today or five years ago Mm -hmm. is incredible. Um, They're so different. I mean, I think now there are, I, I, 20 years ago, I would have faulted you for saying, um, well, you know, uh, you all pay very well. Mm-hmm. If that's your first, why you want to be a firefighter? 20 years ago, sure. absolutely not. You can't get out. You're not there. Um, but today, mm-hmm. with under, trying to understand generational awareness and, uh, and all that and the economy, I kind of understand that. As long as they followed up with the right stuff. And unfortunately, yeah. I will tell you the worst yeah. thing I heard many years ago, and this is no joke. This was early uh, 2000s. And a guy said, uh, you know, why do you want to be a firefighter? And he said, and I quote, I'll never forget it because it's always been a dream of mine to die in a fire. How would you like to be on that gas truck? (laughs) What kind of, (laughs) yeah. What kind of answer is that? That was a first, dude, he practiced the answer. You can tell because he didn't think about it. He was like ready for that question. Well, it's always been my dream to die in a fire. I'm like, holy shit. You are wow. definitely climate material. No, I, I don't get that. I, I would have been like, I got nothing. I, I don't oh. know what to tell you, but we're not going to die. I don't know what to tell you, though. Like, if you want to die, All maybe of go us looked at each other. You're supposed to be super. Um, I'm getting a little. Uh, I'm getting a. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me give you an application for this place. <laughs> I, I've always wondered what the heck he has done. That's crazy. Since the, oh, I know it is. And uh, what's it, a hero so complex? Weird. Well, it was after two thousand. It was after nine eleven too. It was like one of the first yeah. things uh, after nine eleven. And if you weren't a firefighter before, you got a weird idea of what the fire service is like because of mm-hmm. some of it's good, some of it's mm-hmm. bad. You know, but uh, yeah. you, you did. There was an influx of people that thought, you know, that's that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and you then, know what uh, I think it I've comes had... back to? Here's what What's I that? think it comes back to with people is everybody wants to belong to something bigger than themselves. I'm convinced of that. Everybody. Yeah. We all feed our egos in different ways. And mm-hmm. not that it's an ego feeding thing, but it kind of is by peripheral through purpose. So there's no greater purpose, in my opinion, there's no job greater than the service that we get to do as firefighters. Sir. And it's not a cheesy thing, but it, I, I really believe that. And so I think that's what people, whether they know that or not, like, I want to die in a fire. Well, what he's trying to say is <laughs> I want to be in part of something bigger than me. Right. Right. And next to a religious affiliation your faith may be driving you to be a part of something eternal. This is the Mm -hmm. next best thing on the earth, at least in my opinion. And my story to this job is I wasn't looking for it. I grew up in it. My dad was a a deputy operations chief and my parents were divorced. I, I literally grew up going to fires with him in his car at like 10, 11, 12 years old responding across town to working fires and these incidents because I was with him. And he's like, Hey, you want to go? Of course I want to go. I aged up and I'm like, mm, 
nah, I like to play music. I like to surf. I like to do these things. That's not my gig. Because at the time, my brother transitioned into the job at 19 years old, and I'm five years younger than him. And I said, no, nah, that's you and my brother. That's y'all's thing. I don't want to <laughs> do that. And then long story short, music didn't pan out. Surfing doesn't pay bills. Uh, I got married. My wife got pregnant before she finished nursing school because there was a plan. And it sort of, I, I, I got my EMT as a means to an end. And I was working on an ambulance in Walton County. And, um, and, and I'm going off on a trail here, but just to give you a little bit no. of backstory, like no, you're fine, that's what propelled me into the job. But I look at it like this. It's a calling for me. I don't know about for everyone else maybe listening or watching. Maybe it is for them, but if it's not, it really is if the thing that drives you to hear is that purpose, the bigger purpose. And I didn't realize that until I got on the job. It's the weirdest thing. And then I look back and go, whew, man, thank, thankful for God's plan on this one because I had no plan. And I landed into a job that to this day, some days are better than others, but I like to go to work. That's a yep. big deal. We get to like to go to work for the most part and enjoy it. There's a lot of people grinding who hate their lives. And I yes. contend in this, and, and I'll stop breathing after this one, like talking so much. But here's the deal. <laughs> if you can make that connection between what you're passionate about and getting a paycheck, you've hit the lottery. Right? That's, that's oh, yeah. my opinion about it. So when I've advised my daughters, I have two daughters, and I'm proud to say they're both nurses. They're both in the, in the community service field. And I told them, hey, if it doesn't work, it's not about money. You know, you do have to make a living and support yourself, but you get jobs that are called means to an end to find the thing you're passionate about. Because if not, if you hate your job, you hate your career, even if you're a firefighter and you just hate it, get out. Because you're 80% of our life is working to provide to live. You know, why yep. waste? You don't buy days back. You don't get time back. Seconds leave to never return. And we're marching towards death. Hey, there's your positive uh, quote of the day, <laughs> right? But it's true. We're marching it's... towards death. Yes, yes. So think about that. Why are we wasting our time doing jobs and things we hate? Man, right. risk it a little bit. If, if firefighting, let's say, is not the thing, and it's not the thing for everybody. I love what Miami-Dade Training Division says, T-safe, right? T-safe? T-safe. This shit this ain't, ain't for, for everybody. Everyone. And that is the truth. And I, and I, I say it in, in my department, you know, so if it's not clicking, go find something that does. And that's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I told my girls about the fire service and they're like, yeah, no, I don't think so, dad. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's fine. Go find something you're passionate about. If it doesn't work out, work that job until you find the other thing that does. It's as simple as that. That's exactly right. I, I've always said on this podcast that I feel bad for astronauts and fighter pilots because they don't get to do what we do. We have the best job in the world. <laughs> and with, yeah, yeah right. Cool and with that comes the highest responsibility. And I think the passion yeah. for the job happens. The real passion happens when you realize where you fit in. When you realize that your job yeah. is the number one thing. It's not, and this is where I might get, let me, let me explain this all the way before I get some pushback. I don't think our job is keeping our crew safe. I don't think that's a priority. Mm -hmm. I think our job is keeping our community safe. That is our priority. Now, yeah. if we do that right, our crew's automatically safe because if you, once you realize that your job is like the community, then you're going to train hard. You're going to work hard yep. with your crew. You're going to learn. 
And so I always say that. And, you know, my department, I, my training office, I was a training officer. I recently retired. I'm selling the books, burning up my PTO, but I, I'm retired now. But Good I had this big, oh, dude, it's great. I, That's exciting. Exciting. Run, don't walk. Run, don't walk. Yeah. All I can. Well, you yeah. know, you know, yeah. but you went straight back into another yeah. uh, training job. But yeah. it, it's nice to have uh, to work on my passion projects and stuff. But um, I look at it and I'm like, you know, I, I would look at my glass window and I would see all these cars, like right across from my street was a Walmart. There's a park, a community park right there. There was a bunch mm -hmm. of little stores and, and I could see all these cars on this main road every day going to work. And one day clicked. I'm like, every single person somehow, some way thinks that if they get into trouble, we're going to get them. I don't care yeah. what it is. Mm -hmm. They can get worse car wreck. They can mm -hmm. get their private parts caught in a toaster. It doesn't, whatever they come <laughs> up with, it's our job to fix it. I know, right? To be fair, I was just curious about uh, the toaster. It said bagel slot. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. Strong um, analogy. Strong analogy. <laughs> but it hit me. I'm like, oh, my God, that's my responsibility. I, I'm yeah. not living up to what they yeah. probably think we should be doing. So that really yeah. was a, a, a turning point for me. But with that, uh, so I, I wasn't true. destined to be a fireman either. I fell into it. Yeah. And so I, I yeah. really I can, I can understand what you're saying is. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that it's not my passion or my vocation, what I've meant to do. It, I think it totally is. But no, that's sure. not. Uncle Sam made me a fireman. And uh, yeah, it, that was it. Some people know early on, like, oh, I'll play with fire trucks forever. I mean, I did too. But like you, you stumble into it. But I think a lot mm -hmm. of people who stumble into this career and end up loving it, there's a sense of gratefulness that's attached mm -hmm. to that. Like, they're just grateful for, for the moment. Not all moments are great, but they're grateful for the opportunity. You know, the whole thing like, thank you for your service and the public and all that. And my response to that yeah. to people is, man, I'm, I'm just grateful to be able to be healthy enough to still do the job. Simple as that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. glad I'm here. And you talk about the connection between the serving the public. And that's one of the things my brother does in a leadership class is the whole size yourself up with your children concept, meaning yeah. that like, are you, are you ready to turn out and save your own kids? The what if? Okay, so, you know, what if it's your kids that are now trapped? You know, my program that I teach, the first call was a uh, call of a 10-year-old boy trapped on the second floor of a row townhome in the middle of the day, and his mom was out front. It was confirmed. She told us exactly where he was at. And the cops tried to make a push. The first arriving battalion chief from the neighboring department tried to make a push with because it was just that intense of a moment. Nobody else could do it. Nobody. And that's what I start the program off with. And, and it sounds dramatic and people are like, oh, you're just being dramatic. They say that because they're not going to a lot of fires. None of us in suburban America, well, maybe with the exception of Escambia in our area, they go to a lot of work. But most apartments aren't going to a lot of fires, so they downplay that dramatic moment. But right. – ironically enough, the one thing the public expects you and me and everybody listening to be an expert at, they think we're experts. They assume right. we're experts when we arrive to solve their problems. But little do they know, experts are strong words, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, and depending on the company and the day and the shift and the city or the town or wherever you're at, it's a mixed bag what you're going to get. Yep. So well, well intentions do not save lives. 
I well look back. Intended I back, firefighters do not save lives. No, no, no. I've I have gone into a fire more than once where we're, we're removing a line in, relieving a crew inside, whatever it is. And I've looked back at my RIT team and mm-hmm. I've seen three people equaling at least 900 pounds. And mm-hmm. none of them have anything. I mean, they're just sitting there talking to each other. And I've, I, I remember clearly yeah. right before I broached or broached to breach that door or, mm-hmm. you know, went in there looking back going, I'm on my own, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's tough, you know, but it goes back to what you're saying. You know, you, you, sometimes you don't, you don't have those experts and you don't have those people mm-hmm. that, that care like we do. Now I've heard people say, well, nobody has to care like you. And I push back on that because now I've been both. I've been uh, a bag of shit on the job. I've come to work self-entitled. Uh, the city mm-hmm. owes me and they're lucky to have mm-hmm. me. I'm not doing any training. You know, I've right. been that guy. So I feel like I can speak pretty clearly on it. And um, mm-hmm. you know, you, when you decide that you're going to serve the community, serve the community, don't serve yeah. yourself serve your community yeah. and everything mm-hmm. that you do, everything that you say has to be when you're at work, it should be, Hey, is this the best for my citizens? If it's not, don't do it. Don't do mm-hmm. it. And it's, you know, uh, I, I want to talk to you about this anyway, but I want, and this is a great transition into that, but it yeah. does come to my mind talking about what talking about it. Here's one of my things that I hate as a training officer. Now I've, uh, my disclaimer is I'm sure I've done it. I know I've done it. And mm-hmm. again, bag of shit moment. I cannot stand people not wearing their gear correctly. I can't. It, it yeah, drives me, me up too. the wall because the yes. the one is I, I want to end I want to end up talking about SCBA masks because I think we're on the same yeah. page with that. But yeah. what kills me is the waist strap on your SCBA. Oh, right, I try to worst. fix it all the time. It is the worst, and I'm like, why would you bring an entanglement hazard into the fire scene? Why would you potentially bring a victim to the fire scene? It doesn't make sense to me. It's cool. It's cool though, man. It looks cool in pictures, man. So, you know, you know, if I had to be honest with myself, when I did it, I was trying to emulate the cool kids, right? Oh, yeah. Of course and we all are. I remember if you look at a brand new recruit and they've got their ear flaps down, they got their gauntlets mm-hmm. on, they're dressed the correct way, their throat tap. Mm-hmm. You can tell a new guy from the way they're dressed. And then you look mm-hmm. at the old salty guy and you're like, Oh, that guy's cool. So what do you do? You push up your gauntlet. You don't wear them, you know, you don't wear your hood, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's what it is. I think it, that's ego. But again, does that serve your community? No, it doesn't. No, it absolutely no. doesn't serve your community. And I'll, I'll take it a step further. So we, you're 30 years deep, came in late nineties, probably right. Mid nineties, mm-hmm. nineties yeah. or so. None of us serving today and retiring, nobody, nobody comes from this salty, hip boot wearing, no hood. It's, it's a farce. It's a yep. farce. So I'm passionate about this, and it frustrates me because we know better. We mm-hmm. know better. You're not yep. coming, unless your workplace like Chicago, where I think they transitioned out of hip boots in the 90s. But yeah. even then, it was like the mid-90s, if I recall correctly. Some stragglers through the late 90s, early O's, because it's a giant department. But for the most part, guys like my dad wore hip boots. Guys like my dad rode tailboard in the 70s and the 80s. Guys like my dad didn't wear ho- hoods and said, I wanted to feel the fire on my ears. You know, talk to some guys about in Houston uh, about oh. hoods. They, they, uh, they What is it, Clyde the- Reed? Yes, the Reed Hood? Uh, yeah. Reed. He changed yeah. our business. Talk about a needle pusher mm-hmm. that is, is kind of well-known to the nerddom like us. 
but mm-hmm. his name should be known everywhere in the fire business because he pushed he in a very high to this day fire volume duty department that guy said we need better we should do better so i listen to guys like that you know um, he's well wait a minute he's a good and a bad example right <laughs> i mean have you seen the pictures where well, he's lighting fires in like a hawaiian shirt yes. <laughs> yes yes this is true this is true but but i mean think think about the bias that a guy like that with that much experience has to overcome to sort yeah. of change tune uh, yeah. kind of up, upstream from culture. Yeah. That, that's and, a that, and that's a bold man. That's a bold man to do the stuff one way, realizing it needs to be better. And then not only changing, but changing mm-hmm. yourself, your department. And then again, taking it long. I mean, I was in uh, Pearland last year and uh, Jacob Johnson showed me a read hood. He showed me the old he because he was telling me about it. I'm like, oh, that sounds mm-hmm. horrible. He goes, oh, it's mm-hmm. it, it. You got to see it, and he brought it yeah. to me. I was like, oh man, Houston's very very different on gear and stuff like that. Yes, uh, and but when people talk about it in the negative, I'm like, think about this. They put their citizens first. They yeah. really they go for their take care of their citizens. But no, no, the, no doubt about it. But there's no excuse. I don't think there's any excuses for a couple things with PPE these days, there's no excuses not wearing things that are appropriate. We have the mm-hmm. knowledge. There's no, ex- ignorance is not an excuse. Like you can't break the law and say, I didn't know it. No, you're still gonna get a ticket or arrested. Yeah, yeah. Ignorance is not an excuse and it's a, what my brother likes to say, it's a predictable domino. That mm-hmm. is one domino that's going to fall that you know if I just tied my waist strap in, which better supports the pack so I can have limb longevity of work time. If I just mm-hmm. stayed on air after we got a knock and we're doing overhaul, air yes. is free. Like, I don't get it. Bro. Keep your hood up while you're doing overhaul. Oh, well, mm-hmm. it's hot. It's hot anyways. Like, yeah. these are these things that I'm like, if you need a break, then say you need a break. But don't don't not do the things that we know that keep ourselves healthy on the job. And when it comes to masking up, ironically enough, what kind of brought this to my attention, and it's not popular, what I'm about to share, it's not popular. And it's mm-hmm. very debatable. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. But what I'm saying is- I bet I know where you're going with this. Uh, yep, I love it already. I, I'll tell you this. If I was back on a rig riding a truck, um, I would do this 100% of the time. So go to Houston. I'm sharing part of my program is Mask Up Times. It's awesome. Regionally, nationally, across the world, Mask Up Times are being focused on is very important. Um, so I'm talking about, Hey, we need to work on this. We could do it with gloves on. You can do it on 10 seconds, blah, blah, blah. So during the program, one of the Houston guys raises his hands and he's, and, uh, or, or, or it was the suburban department around Houston. Houston's included in this right. for the most part. He says, Hey, uh, we, we don't really have that issue. We mask up on the truck before we get off the rig. If we know we're going to work. Right. And I went, okay. And basically, uh, I think it was Kyle Romagus says, yeah, we have a mask up time of zero seconds. And I went, huh. you know what? You're right. But here's the caveat. So always and never, we don't use that a lot. It's the fire service wants black or they want white. They want an answer. Well, here's the problem. We work in the gray. There ain't nothing black and white about our job, operationally speaking. So in light of that, I will say that I fully advocate masking up for one of two reasons. Number one, you round the corner, here's the caveat, your first due, that's it, your first due. My brother don't even agree with me on this, but I'm, I'm just, this is how I feel about it. If your first due to a working fire, 
mask up on the rig, turn mm -hmm. everything on, all your lights, all your radios, confirm everybody's on the right channel, have all your tools set and everything ready to click in and go because you're going to do one of two things. It's not rocket science. We are overcomplicating our job for whatever reason. You're going <laughs> to probably put the fire out or you're probably going to make a grab and do a rescue. That's it. Nothing else. But, 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 but what, what, I can't see the whole scene. I can't do this. My size up. I'm like, is your mask gray or something? Cause I see straight <laughs> through my mask. Number one, yeah. number two, if it fogs up, well, there's a cure for that. You know, um, Captain Jenkins from Houston has a great video on how to defog your mask and it not fog up on you so you can see out of it. Um, right. The other excuse is, well, I like to see the whole scene and take it in. I'm like, you're task driven. What more do you have to see? Locate, confine, extinguish, search, rescue. That's simple. So I'm passionate about it because that cuts down our reflex time to near zero. So when you step off the truck and someone says, hey, they're over here. Cool. Click in. Go. Go to work. Mm -hmm. Gloves are on. Everything is on. Right. Um, if your fog at mass does fall, fog up, click in and breathe air in the yard. Air yeah. is free. It might reduce free. your work time, but not a whole lot. So mm -hmm. car fires. That's my main debate when people say that. Well, I, I don't I don't like putting the mask on. Bubba. I said, OK, so you go to a car fire and you round the corner. Do you guys mask up on your truck? Oh, yeah. Every time we mask up every time. And I go. Okay, so what's different about a house on fire now? Now, of course, circumstance is going to drive this most of the time. But if you know, you turn the corner, you got a header, you know you're going to work and you're the first one there. The answer isn't why. I contend, well, why would you not do it? Justify why you wouldn't do it, not why you would not do it. And then in that justification, self-justification, take your ego and put it on a shelf. No more, I've been doing this for X many years. No more than, you know, well, I've seen this. Well, my mentor so-and-so says this. This guy goes to more jobs and he says that. No, think about you and think mm -hmm. about why would you not do that. Right. Um, that's the caveat. It's not every single time. Uh, just when you're first due. I'm a strong mm -hmm. advocate for that, whether you're maybe even second due if you know that you're going to go to work as a search. Like where we're at. Where I work now and where I worked before is very much a sequence of arrival um, work. So you know that if your second do as an example, you know, you're going to come in, you're going to do a booster backup and drop your tank to the first truck. If you lay in, that's a rare occasion. Booster backup, that is Kurt Isaacs in area there, isn't it? <laughs> 100%. We all do this. So, you know, one of two things going to happen. You're going to help the line advance into the building or you're going to do a search. Or you might vent. All three of those, you need mm -hmm. to be on air. And you need to have your PV on if you're right. trying to do tactical safety. That's that's tactical safety. It's being ready. Mm -hmm. So that's my preach on that. And I think sometimes we make excuses not to wear our stuff right. And we make excuses to not maybe be ready to work as soon as you step off the rig. Because the dudes who do it, they have extensive data backing on why it works for them and works well. And they're typically very fast at extinguishing fires. Because if you want to prevent RIT, you want to make a better rescue. You want to do anything on the fire ground, including truck work. Put the fire out. All right. That's part one. I tell you what, if you love part one, which who wouldn't, you're going to go bananas for part two next Monday.
Today's podcast was sponsored by Fire Facilities, industry-leading designers and manufacturers of realistic, built-to-last training structures for more than 30 years. Make your training count. Visit firefacilities.com for more information.